0: Homily for the 32nd Sunday of Ordinary Time, November 7th, 2021, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. Before I begin, just a brief housekeeping announcement. This is our Time and Talent Weekend at St. Mary's. During the weekend Masses, I will be directing people through brochures that contain a list of the various groups and ministries in which they can participate here at our parish. If you are a registered parishioner who is listening to this podcast and would like more information, please call us at 701-775-9318, and we can certainly update you on the stewardship opportunities that are available here. When we consider the themes in today's scriptures, the importance of a generous heart, and almsgiving, we can trace this teaching back to the very beginning of the human race. I would invite you later today to read chapter 4 of the book of Genesis. To refresh your memory and briefly summarize the text, the brothers Cain and Abel bring sacrifices to worship God. Abel, a shepherd, picks out a choice lamb for his flock and later on comes cain a farmer with an offering of grain we are told that god was pleased with the offering of abel but not pleased with cain's the untrained eye may not have been able to tell much of a difference in the offerings themselves but we are what we are told by talmudic scholars of this text is that what was most important was the disposition of the offering Abel speedily gave of his first fruits, while Cain, half-heartedly and sloppily, took some of the leftovers. Sadly, there was more in Cain's heart than a neglect of piety. There was also envy and murderous rage toward his brother. Let's keep that paradigm of Cain and Abel in mind as we study more closely the two widows featured in today's liturgy. Our first reading begins with Elijah finding refuge in the midst of a severe famine in the land. He had been drinking from a stream in the wilderness, but when it dried up, he had to move on. The prophet Elijah served God during the reign of some of the most wicked people ever to govern the nation of Israel, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. It was she, with her husband's tacit approval, who promoted pagan worship by means of force among the Israelites. God advised Elijah to go to Zarephath, a Phoenician port city, on the northern edge of the realm, and actually the hometown of Queen Jezebel's family. Essentially, God was sending Elijah into the heart of the greatest opposition to his mission. And yet we observe no complaint or hesitation from the prophet. Only a deep trust in God's mysterious plans. Once he arrived, Elijah was to find a widow who would take him in until the famine ends. This was a rather young woman with a child too small to be living on his own. And Elijah may have been considerably older than her. Times were desperate. The woman was down to her last provisions and expected to starve after one final, meager meal. Now put yourself in her shoes for a moment. Would it have been easy for you to take any measure of that last little bit of flour and oil to make an offering for God and his servant? Rather than to look out for number one and number two, the widow remarkably consented to Elijah's request, and his promise that her flour and oil would never run out, came true. This year-long miracle was only possible because of the widow's heroic actions and her trust in God's providence. Both she and the woman in today's gospel represent most of us very well. The good deeds that we do are mostly unseen and not on public display, but they are important just the same. The setting of today's Gospel reading is the Temple in Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples have triumphantly entered the city, and his passion and death were soon to come. Think of the timing of this scene as Holy Week. Recall that the Temple was a wonder of the ancient world, not only for its importance to the local religious customs, but in its sheer size, architecture, and lavish decoration. To behold this behemoth gleaming in the sun atop Mount Zion would have been breathtaking, especially in contrast with the squatty dwellings and narrow streets of the city below. The Jewish authorities required the payment of a temple tax for the support and upkeep of the magnificent structure. They set up receptacles to drop off donations with trumpet-like bells to catch the coins used to pay the tax. The wealthy patrons would cause quite a scene, as they slowly dumped their many coins into the metal contraption, and they would rattle loudly for seconds as they made their way down the chamber. Some gave more than they needed to just for the attention and admiration this spectacle would attract. Consider the contrast between this behavior and that of the poor widow. Clink, clink, with her two coins. Jesus found her action so praiseworthy because it was a gift that came from her livelihood. The fat cats who came along earlier that day were dumping and pocket change, like what we might have in a piggy bank or find under the cushions of a couch. They'd hardly miss it but one could not say the same about this modest, unheralded woman. Archaic translations of the Bible refer to her offering as the widow's mite, spelled M-I-T-E, a word that means a small coin or gift. Preachers have often made a pun of this phrase, speaking of the widow's mite, M-I-G-H-T, and making such a large sacrificial gift despite her own material poverty. Both of these women are mighty in that they allowed the Lord to work through them and care for them. They spur us on to examine what our relationship to God looks like. Do we have the love in our hearts to entrust ourselves more and more to God? Is stewardship a principle of our lives or a product of convenience? What does it mean if all God can expect from me is leftovers? A little money at the end of the month if all the other bills get paid, a couple of minutes for prayer at the end of the day if we don't fall asleep first, just to keep God off our backs. In short, do we stand before God here and now, looking more like Abel or Cain? Amen.